Hello, I'm Francesco D'Alessio, and we're about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. I'm Mike Vardy, and welcome to A Productive Conversation. I am joined this time by Francesco D'Alessio of Keep Productive and Tool Finder. Francesco, I've known for years. This is the first time I'm having him on the podcast, which is amazing considering that we've known each other for so long, and he is such a force in the productivity community. He knows his tools. He knows his tactics. We get into all of that. In fact, this was done as a live stream for my YouTube channel. So I've edited this down so that you get the bare essentials of it. But if you want to watch the whole conversation in its raw, unedited form, including something that you'll also hear at the tail end of this episode, if you stick around and listen to the end, you'll hear a little bit of what happened during that live stream. Um, you can check that out on the YouTube channel. That, that link will be in the show notes. Now, his YouTube channel is phenomenal. Francesco is seen as a luminary in the productivity space, and I'm so happy to see how far he's taken his uh, work throughout his journey. We get into that so much more during our conversation today. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Francesco D'Alessio, a productive one at that. Enjoy. Francesco, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today on A Productive Conversation. And for A Productive Conversation, probably we should say this is a very productive conversation I think we're about to have. Wouldn't you say? Let's hope. Yeah, let's hope it is. <laughs> so for those that aren't familiar with your work, I mean, we're doing this on YouTube. As, as we're recording this, this has been live streamed on YouTube first and foremost. So for those that are watching this on YouTube, they're very well aware of who you are at this point, if you're following the productivity space. But for those that aren't familiar, just share a little bit about you and, and what, you know, kind of a brief introduction, if you will. Yeah, sure. Um, so um, like yourself, Mike, I was uh, very inspired by apps and uh, productivity software. And um, I started a YouTube channel about 10 years ago uh, called Keep Productive. Um, and uh, I've sort of constantly been... Uh, obsessed with how productivity software has evolved. And um, I've just sort of evolved that. Um, and the YouTube channel's uh, very much grown. And we're now sort of putting a lot of time and attention into sort of cataloging every productivity tool and making a more sort of personalized engine to finding the perfect one for you. Excellent. And Bento, did you touch on Bento there just a second ago? I, <laughs> I, I have, uh, we have dabbled in creating our own productivity app. It's called Bento. It's a to-do list application with a sort of opinion, which limits you to three tasks a day, large, medium, and small, like a Bento box. Although we sort of press pause on it for a little bit to sort of rethink the concept and we're redeveloping it now to have an entirely different focus but largely what spawned off of that was the bento methodology which sort of was a system that i ended up creating accidentally from the app that's interesting okay so what's fascinating to me is we've always talked i mean you and i've been fans of david allen's work for a long time and there was always mm. this idea that there should be a gtd app right or there should be a mm. you know i remember i remember um what was the I, 30 30 30 which was like the eisenhower matrix apps remember that 30 slash 30 app yeah. for the iphone and there's been a few of those that are for the eisenhower or covey matrix so most in in most instances people want an app for the framework or the process or the approach so what you're telling me and i didn't know this is that it was the app came first and then the methodology came second how did that happen I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I, I think it was like I came up with this concept 
from the way that Japanese prepare bento boxes for the day ahead. Mm-hmm. And I quite like that concept and the way that they have those compartmentalizing of different things, of the sizes of the different food that they put in. And I think that concept of preparation in advance and a focus on not stuffing your box outside of it. I think there was not a productivity app out there that has limits and says, you're not allowed to add any more tasks, be a bit more ruthless about what you choose. So we, we, we went from that theory and it was very interesting what happened because we released the app, then we released the methodology and the methodology has expanded since because mm-hmm. we thought three tasks, five tasks and seven tasks can, is a bit more practical for everyday people. But when we released the app, we didn't realize that the three task system was actually really effective with those who had ADHD and autism as well. And it, particularly in children, because it gave them that focus of, I need to start a task and a timer at the same time and have that limitation. And, mm-hmm. and that gave them that focus. So yeah, it's, it's been a really interesting journey. I don't know why Apple have called us one of their best to-do list applications. That's still very well, confusing. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's the design. I think it's a skeuomorphic design that you re-embrace. Because that went away for a while. Mm. Skeuomorphic design went away for a while. Everything became very utilitarian, very brutalist in a lot of ways. But yeah. Bento, and what I, what I think, you're talking about the kids aspect too. I think there's a bunch of fascinating things that I loved about Bento, especially when they did the vi- video review of it. What I liked about that was mm. things lived within that. So instead of three big rocks, it was three rocks, one small, one big, one medium, right? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. How important is it for you, having spent a lot of time in this space now, you know, building tools, building apps, et cetera, how have you noticed that frameworks like the approach is more important than the app. Because I think that you're, yeah. you've had this conversation before privately where it's like people love their apps. They love their, even the app mm. will do the thing. And because you've explored so many apps, in fact, with Tool Finder, you continue to do that. What do you have to mm. say to people who are like, if I can just get this app, this app will take care of it. Like, what are some of the things that people need to go in? to an app with when they're discovering apps so that they don't get caught up in the, well, the app didn't do it for me. So clearly the app is the problem, right? I see it every single day. Like I, I speak to a lot of people about apps and, and software and I sort of put them in two categories of people and it's no fault of their own a lot of the time. I think what it is, is for those who come and hunt for the apps first, they typically uh, don't stay with an app as long as somebody who does. So I think it, I've estimated to be around about six to one, six to 12 months with an app without a framework. And that's definitely something that whilst it's helpful, it, it's not something that's going to, it's a framework. It needs to be strong at the foundations. But those who do come in with a framework and then choose an app and layer it on top, they typically stay for around two to three years. So you can see the stark difference is three times longer. And and that really, that's what I really like. Whilst I talk about new apps and new software because I like trends, I get the most joy when people find an app and they stick with it for three, I think three, three years is a good transition period because you get to that point where after three years, a lot of things change in your life career, potentially having kids, potentially moving into a different area and things like that. Things change. So three years, I think it's fine. And a longer is better. But yeah, I, I get so much joy when I, I think people connect with the right app. That makes me happy. What I've noticed about your growth with Keep Productive in particular is I've noticed that in your early days, you 
I wouldn't say acquiesced isn't the right word, but you were, because you were new to it, you didn't, mm. your, your opinions were strong, but they were, it almost felt like you were like, I, I don't want to take a full stand on an app because I'm so new and there's so many apps and I don't want to necessarily alienate anybody. Right. Yeah. But I've yeah. noticed the experience level, the time you have no problem now, you know, be, you still are polite about it. Is it <laughs> you? I'm wondering, but you're still polite about it, but you are, you do, you do take, you're, you're willing to be more critical in a constructive way. Whereas both, oh, have right, you yeah. noticed like, so you're the way you positioned your, yourself in that space, what have you noticed and what have you noticed since over the evolution that that's done for you and your channel and, and your business in terms of changing like that, that journey. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think I started out, I remember when we had our, one of our first conversations and you were telling me about your experience with software and how keeping up with the Joneses with software is, is really, really hard, but it was weird. Cause I, 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 I hundred percent took that advice on and I mulled over it for weeks, but it was strange because I was some, I, I was a very strange kid in a way. Cause I used to go to app store pages, uh, the app store updates page every single day and read through the release logs of every single app. And they weren't even productivity apps back in the day. And I don't know why, but I got an interest in incremental change with software. And I don't know whether that's an interest in software releases or in general, but I think for me, spending more time with software helps me to, I, I love all of those incremental changes and re-reviewing things and deeper diving into it and extensive thoughts, because I don't know why I just have a weird interest in it. But I mean, I know that the market's getting bigger every single day. And I think the reason why we created something like Toolfinder is because I needed it to be my second brain of of tools. And um, it allowed us to sort of also grow that into a more scalable thing where instead of watching a million videos to get to the right one you find, is to go straight to the right the, the right software, which is most important to me. Because I, I don't want to, I, I want people to get informative research about a tool an opinion, but get to the solution fastest. I think that you're right. The landscape has continued to grow. We, I mean, we went from, I think when you started, we were in the quote GTD app era, the to-do list app yeah. era. <laughs> I would say we're probably in the PKM app era now. Would you say mm, that that, yeah. or, okay. So if that's where we're at now and we're going to come back to Don's question and we've got a couple other uh, we got yeah, OmniFocus. Of course, there's a great example of one that has been fairly steadfast and knows who it serves, and they've made some slight changes, but nothing, nothing you know, massive in terms of who they're serving. I think that's the key. Mm. So, what if we're in the era of PKM apps now, personal knowledge management apps, or the renaissance of productivity apps? Let's say, what what is next, especially with what's going on with Evernote? I mean, is AI the the thing, or is it another? type of app that we should be that you're seeing emerge i mean there's there's so many trends i i think what i call this new era that's going to happen is the anti-admin era so i think i think we're going to get two camps um okay the productivity camp where the tool helps you to do less administration so you manage it less as like a system you just sort of let it run 
let it learn about you, let it make the right decisions for you. But then you're going to get the productivity apps we have now, like PKM, will turn into productivity mindfulness tools because you're manualizing it, you're going in, you're changing things around. And I think that will be a practice of mindfulness more than it's a practice of productivity because we won't need to do that, if that makes sense. No, because we're going to be able to use artificial intelligence to a degree to handle some of that stuff for us. Yeah, I mean, it won't be like, do work. It'll be, do the menial stuff that you move like moving around stuff um you know organizing stuff that'll be done for us and right and it'll be a weird era (laughs) well it'll be Uh, weird because there's nuance right and that's the thing is that i've hmm. noticed this i don't know if you have but the idea of people either crap on ai altogether or go all in there Hmm. there's this middle area like i'm using generative ai in some of my work but it would be like take the like for example as we're recording this yesterday, I got a Google alert for something that showed up, an article I wrote a long time ago called How to Conquer Your Day. And it's on my blog. Hmm. I'll link to it here in the in the show notes as well as on YouTube. But I'm like, okay, so this clearly pings somewhere. So what do I do hmm. with that? Do I rewrite the article? Do I, I'm like, no, what I should do is take this, put it into chat GPT-4 or Claude or whatever, and say, turn this article I wrote into a LinkedIn post, a Twitter thread, et cetera, et cetera, X thread, sorry. Mm. (laughs) And that that to me is, again, an example of, and by the way, I'm not going to, to be clear, it does it, and then I look at it. It's not like I go, that's what it is, and I post it, right? I mean, heck, even these tools say, make sure to look at this to change it to your voice or whatever. I mean, I'm already doing that. But But instead of me spending time, especially as a smaller business going, okay, let me find a social media marketing person that'll do this, et cetera. Like that to me is, is helpful, but there's some people Mm. who are getting it to write entire books or write like, Mm. and that's what, what that leads to, as far as I'm concerned is we're back to the content farm era of like blog posts that are vacuous and empty and are just there to get, they're just trying to game the system that Google has. Google has gotten smarter over the years too with its, you know, looking at, you know, SEO and so on and so forth. It'll be able to detect Mm. that kind of nonsense, right? But Mm. to your point, I I did a workshop last year, this time last year, actually, in Salt Lake City, a private workshop. And someone's like, well, I don't, like breaking down tasks is huge. You and I both know this. Mm. Like most people put on their list, like, you know, work on book or, you know, make YouTube videos. Like, okay, well, that's Mm. not, we both know that there's multiple steps in that, but there's a hesitance to, you know, go into that and break it down. And how far do I break it down? And what, you know, to what degree, right? And so I showed this gentleman, he said, yeah, but this is going to take a lot of time. Like I, you know, I'm like, okay, what are the steps in this particular task that you're talking about? And he told me what it was. And I said, well, as soon as there's multiple steps, technically it's a project, right? Like you could argue in the sense of David Allen's getting things done. Anything that's multi-step is a project, right? So I said, well, Hmm. give me this thing. And I inputted it into, at the time, chat GPT 3.5. It was, and I asked it to break it down into steps, like tasks. Hmm. And it did it very quickly. And the look on his face of awe was... Wow. Like, I'm like, now it's not going to do these things for you, but imagine (laughs) that that's the time that you're going to, so your hesitance to, I can't take time to do that is now moot, right? There are other Mm. considerations though, which I think is fascinating. Number one, 
well, now I have more to do. Not really. You just have more visibility of the things that are already on your list. And that's what apps will also be able to do. Like, I would imagine mm. at some points, like this, if you were to say, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. If you were to, an app that would say, what is your hourly rate, right? Like, so your hourly rate mm. might be $250 an hour. And if you were to tell the app this, let's say ClickUp, Notion, whatever, it could be anything. Break this down and give, assign the $250 per hour tasks to me. Assign the $50 mm. per hour tasks to this person. Like it could do that and remove mm. that friction, that decision matrix that you run into. That's something that I could see happening down the line. It, it could already probably happen mm. now, I would imagine, right? Like I'm sure you could do yeah. that inside of something like Notion or ClickUp or any of these tools that are already leveraging AI, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the way that I think about apps in the future is that there'll be two main skills that you'll need with an app is decisions yeah. and creativity. And if um, most of the work will be done for us, it'd be the decisions we make and how they impact, vice versa with creativity. So they're like the two. So that sort of point is is correct. It's like the the typical sort of Jarvis from Iron Man uh, approach. You know, <laughs> I know you're DC, but <laughs> no, 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 no. I've got Vision back here. Like Vision is oh, my jam. Vision was Jarvis in the MCU. So no, 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 no. I I'm, I'm oh, on that. One of my favorite <laughs> lines from Vision is. Uh, humans are odd. They think order and chaos are two different things, right? Like I love Vision. Yeah. He's one of my favorites, and Jarvis is. Is but yes, Jarvis, you like all that stuff. Yeah, what's her name? Friday, who is the successor? Yeah, like Jarvis, right? they're only good, right? If mm -hmm. I uh, Tony Stark tells them good things, right? Yes, yeah, it'll be exactly. the same with productivity apps. Um, <laughs> it would they'll only be more productive if we tell them to be smarter. Don has a question. He, uh, you know, you, you've your pin tweet says, I've reviewed. 700 plus productivity apps in 10 years. I've only used two to-do lists at during that time. So could you expand on that? And could that mean for you, like why those two have stuck around or, I mean, you've obviously talked about your curiosity towards apps, but the fact that that's your pinned tweet, number one, why is that your pinned tweet? I think is another good question. <laughs> what, what, like, Cause people will think like, you know, there is a lot of shiny object stuff when it comes to apps, right? There is tons of that. Mm, yeah. So expand upon that 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 tweet that you've you've put up there, um, and maybe the two apps that you have maintained that entire time. And is that yeah. even still true? <laughs> yes, it probably is. Maybe add a few more apps uh, from today. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's my pin tweet because I think it represents my values with productivity tools uh, quite well. I've used Todoist and Sansama over the space of 11 years, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And Todoist for nine and Sansama I use for two. But it, it shows that like, if you've found a framework that works for you, like I have, I, it's a combination of GTD and a bit of like sort of revised uh, prioritization systems that I've developed over the years. And I managed to make it work with Todoist. I haven't gone too complicated, but it's sort of like, you know, like car salesman, you know, only driving two cars, but he's, he's you know, seen 750. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yep. the fact that I haven't used them all <laughs> mm -hmm. and that you don't need to use them all to get to the point where you need to. You just need to do great research, great trial and great optimization once you get it. They're the sort of three pillars of finding a good productivity tool. Okay. We're going to dive into Evernote because... <laughs> I know it's coming up. <laughs> you won't so, leave it alone, mate. <laughs> no, well, okay. So the reason is, is that, and 
I go back to the, the, the quote from Ted Lasso that I love, which is from Walt Whitman, be curious, not judgmental. So mm. it's really hard not to just to see what has happened to Evernote as a early adopter, as a early user to what it has become. That doesn't mean it's wrong or bad or anything like that. But it, to me, is an example of an app that has definitely shifted within the landscape, but also has shifted its own landscape. And I watched your video. Mm-hmm. We'll link to like the idea of what Evernote like, has become. There's one where you talk about, like, this is what Bending Spoon is doing, and so on and so forth. And mm-hmm. Ryan, the one where you mentioned that Ryan Reynolds is an investor, and so on and so forth. Like, mm-hmm. I think that there's... It's interesting the way... And I've heard from other people that... Um, that the communication is different depending on where you're at. If you're a user at one level versus another, there, or whether you're a, um, what do they call it, the certified experts and so on and so forth, there's different levels of communication, as there should be. The thing yeah. that flipped me fully was the free tier change with notification not conveyed very well at all. And I'm mm-hmm. sure I'm not alone in that. So when I say that, when you say you're not going to like let it go or whatever, like I'm, it, it's fine. I know where they're headed, or at least I have a sense that they're where they're not headed at this point. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear, because you've done a lot of videos about this. Like, is Evernote still for you? What are your Evernote alternatives? Yeah. The different types. The journey of Evernote in terms of reliability, I think that's a big thing to, to take into account too. It's not bending spoons issue. It's all of the journey from Phil to Chris O'Neill being the CEO, to all of that stuff. Yeah. That to me is, is that that's the fascinating part. So to me, I'm wondering, because now you're at a point where you are somebody that people look at in this space. You're an authority, right? What are your thoughts on the whole like evolution of Evernote from what it was when we first had a conversation about like, hey, keeping up with apps should be fun for you to where we're at now, which is like keeping up with, with apps is now what you do because you've leaned in hard and Evernote has been part of that entire landscape for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like you might like, um, that relationship with Evernote is so strong. Like there's something that you always love about what they've done. Um, but I think it's like when, when Phil left and Chris came in and Ian came in and then Ben and Spoons took over, I think that's a lot of like wear on people's brand value with them. And I think, if Bending Spoons came in after Phil or maybe even Chris, I think that people would be like, okay, this is understandable. You need to make money. You've got to do this. You're going to restructure. That's fine. But I think because there were so many passing hands that it just became a bit too much for the average user. Um, And I think they're basically now turning from a community company to a mainstream productivity software. Mm-hmm. And and I actually think, like, I find this example, my my dad, right, I remember when I was sort of getting into this a couple of years in, and he, like, over a weekend, he showed me this app. And he was like, oh, I, take th- I use this for my note-taking. And I looked at it, it was like, awesome note too. And I was like... <laughs> Dad, this is really obscure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know this. I, I mean, I know it, but I don't really true like know it because it's one that you find on the app store mm-hmm. and you just download and start using it. And I think Evernote's going to get to that point where they go so mainstream and so readily available that they're just the app that everyone downloads when they got an iPhone. And they're, it's the mainstream people. It's not us productivity nerd community 
type folks. Would, Do you know what I mean? Would you argue that, okay, so remember in Adam Grant's book, Originals, he talks about, there's that, that point where he brings up that uh, people who download Chrome or hmm. Firefox as their browser, as opposed to going with the default browser of Safari or Bing, there is a more propensity for them to use third-party applications. I don't yeah. know that on Apple devices, first off, you and I both know what Apple does. I mean, we're seeing it with Journal right now, right? They are slowly but surely embedding some of the cool things that other tools would do already. I mean, mm -hmm. audio, audio recordings is one, but even the extensions capability because they have such a tight tight rein and tight, tight leash on the software or on the mm. hardware rather, the whole ecosystem really, that you could squeeze a third party out. I mean, the whole Dropbox purchase that Apple almost did is a good example of that because they're like, yeah. fine, you're not going to sell to us. We'll just build iCloud and see how that goes for us. And now, <laughs> I mean, Dropbox has changed their business model as well. I wonder if Evernote becomes the third party de facto not mm. the thing. So for example, if you're on an Apple or Mac, you get notes. If you're on Microsoft, you know, OneNote is still there. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's an example of a language app. If I've ever, <laughs> no, right? Like it is like, they're like, we have this thing. What should we do with it? I'm like, do the thing with it. Like do what, yeah. did. like do it. Like just <laughs> Google, of course they have keep, which is another, like, so there's nothing really quite like Evernote as you, as you pointed out. So it becomes, mm -hmm. I mean, if they can focus on, you know, first off, I think to your point, I think what they're doing is they're reducing their user base to the kind of users that they want. And then yeah, they're going to yeah. go, boom, then they're going to push it out, like you say. But yeah. I don't know that they're going to be, I think they will probably be the, quote, alternative for those that are like, ah, notes isn't for me, or I want something, I don't want all my stuff in Apple, or I don't want all yeah, my stuff yeah. in Microsoft, I want it somewhere else. I think that's going to be the next nearest yeah. option. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I, I'm just my my sort of marker for when this will hit capacity will be when my mother-in-law tells me I've got it. That's like my that is the marker. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so when way, I hear that, I will be able to say mainstream. I want to circle back to um, the kids thing because you know as we mm. we're, we're we're getting close to time, and I want to be respectful of time. When we first chatted and uh, about you going down this path for you know experimenting with apps, looking at apps, it was you and your partner, right? Like that was what, and, mm, and yeah. there was no children in the mix. There are two children in the mix now. What, how do you keep up and navigate? You've got a team, I know this, but how, but not, it's not a huge team, right? It's not a big team, I don't think, is it? No, no, we've, we've even downsized since. Right, right. Since so, well. yeah. So how do you navigate the upkeep of, because there, I mean, Look at Todoist, for example. I mean, Todoist has literally made some pretty quick changes over the last, you know, several months, you know, in terms of UI, now the calendar stuff, that they're like all this stuff. How, how do you balance that upkeep that I was concerned mm. about when, you've, when I said, hey, once a kid shows up, like, good luck keeping up with the developers that have a team that are pushing updates to innovate, innovate, innovate. And you're the guy that tells everybody, hey, well, here's the change. Here's this. Here's that. How have you been navigating that? And how do you navigate that? I don't really have any rules, I'd say. Okay. I think like uh, like uh, along the way, like I've, I've, I've sort of prepared myself a lot. So obviously speaking with yourself, Steve, uh, you're sort of like my internet uncles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and also like 
I remember talking a lot with Amir, um, mm-hmm. who is the founder of Todoist. Basically, anyone and anyone in the space that had a kid just took as much advice as I could. And I, 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 I would say the way that I keep updated with it is it's great relationships with the vendors who make the productivity software, which I've been very lucky to build over the years because I'm able to get um, sort of respectful embargoes before they're released and sort of um, keep updated as m- just great communication. And then also prioritization. Like, I think I've just learned how to prioritize because like, you know, like anyone knows as a kid, your time just evaporates around you. And I think that's all it was. It was like, you've now just got this small Pomodoro timer knocking about the house. So you got to f- make a task into a smaller task, but make it twice the en- energy. Um, and that's that's how I would no, say it, prioritization and relate. It's almost like it's ad hoc by design, but you know what I mean? Like there has to, because you don't know, like you know that yeah. there are things happening, but things can happen at random intervals. And there's only so much attention yeah. that you have to go around. Andrew's got a question uh, here on YouTube. How do you see planners picking up more? So for example, mm. um, Andrew attempted to drop Todoist for Notion, but just mm-hmm. ended up with AkiFlow, which I know you've used as mm-hmm. you use, you've, you've played with um for now really hard to find something that sticks so that's that's going to lead nicely into some of the final questions i have so how do you see you know and i guess it's the idea of dropping to do is for notion then going to accuflow like i wonder is that a notion because notion is so and i look at it and i'm overwhelmed by it like there is just so Mm. much there in notion do you think that that's the problem is because you can do anything with it it overwhelms you and there's Mm. lots of resources out there for it i mean thomas frank um, uh is just one marie Poulin is another you i mean is that part of it do you think the equation of like so many things that like notion almost to me feels like it better be an end stop, not a, you better just decide that that's what it is. Otherwise just skip right over it and go from Todoist to AccuFlow or to NotePlan or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like what Andrew's done is done a sort of like intensity scale. Todoist being the low intensity, Notion being the high intensity and sort of he's met in the middle with AccuFlow and he thinks that's the right tool for him. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's a really difficult one because like again, if you're still umming and ahhing about if this is the right tool for you, then I think you have to go back to the basics, the sort of three part process: research and spending a good amount of time on research. In the meantime, you can use whatever app you're using, sort of survive, <laughs> if um, or or paper. But research and spending that time on the fundamentals is really important. So even matching it with the framework that you have is actually really, really important. Then it's once you've found one, and maybe this is where you're in the sort of Aki flow, is doing a trial of 90 days where you commit to 90 days of using the software. And during that time period, you make journalized notes about what is good and what is bad about the software. Whether you use it or not, it allows you when you come back to the research, number one, to have good notes on how to improve your research for next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll be much more precise. And then if you manage to get through, step three is optimize. So it's really just digging deeper in the tool, looking at industry experts that use tools like you do and how you can use them like, well, how they how they use them. So 
I would go back to the base, but if Andrew needs any help, he can reach out on email. Um, okay. I can happy to chat with them through stuff. Justin brings <laughs> up a good co- a point in the comments, and this is something that I think relates directly into why I think Notion and Evernote are like. Notion is the successor to Evernote in terms of the way that this thing kind of is shaken out over the over the years in the landscape. So Justin says, mm-hmm. um, Notion's one of those things that does so many things just okay that unless you can grapple with its limitations, then it's really hard to adapt consistently. And that reminds me of people trying to use Evernote for task management, for project mm-hmm. thinking, That's not really, like you can do it, but you better be ready to deal with some of the friction that comes with that now, Notion, I think, has a lot more going for it in that regard. There's a lot more flexibility. But Don brings up a good point in the chat. He says, but there's so much of an empty canvas that that can be the paralyzing factor, right? Mm, Why, yeah. What do you think in terms, like Notion's got such a massive user base. Is it because mm. it can do so much in a reasonable way as opposed to anything really well? Like what, yeah. what has led to Notions like basically becoming Evernote 2.0 as terms of the darling or the unicorn in the productivity app space? Yeah, like you said, it's, uh, Notion does things 85% well. Right. And then, you know, like it's a classic framework of you need three apps, right? The typical three apps do pretty much 95 to 100% things well. Todoist, tasks, brilliant. Calendar, fantastical, 100% brilliant you know and so on and so forth but there's sort of like this needle now of uh one two or three apps and it's like the traditionalists go for three apps the sort of modern age sort of go for two apps like a hybrid um of 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 two apps um that solve the three problems and then some people go one app but they can't expect it to solve all of the problems because it's not perfect you know so um, I think people think that, that because people talk about Notion like it solves their life on YouTube, people <laughs> think it's the solution to go for. Okay, so this is a classic example of my earlier question, where it's like, you've gone from like somebody who is like starting to like, you are willing to make a statement like that without like, <laughs> that's so awesome. Because I mean, it's so hard to go. I'm like, glad. <laughs> there, is, there is this alienation factor that can come up and you don't have any fear, which I totally admire because that's hard to do when you are serving so many quote masters in terms of like the apps and the audience and then other people who are into this space right but yeah like it's oh, yeah. you know to, to me what i what i love is and i can't remember where you posted this did you put this in keep keep productive or your own where you said that there's going to be a bit of a shift i think it was with keep productive which is more about the like you talked about the mindfulness the thoughtfulness aspect as mm. opposed to just solely the tools, which I imagine it's largely due to the tool finder component that you have. But what has yeah. changed about your thoughts around productivity and time management during your journey over the last you know number of years that you've been doing this? I think that it's just that like I always go, I I I don't, I don't read a lot of philosophy, but I like to read and learn about the sort of the old age times, you know, Roman times and things like that. And it it's like you know, all of these people did things with paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when you get that in your mind, anything, I think that's when the expectations get dramatically reduced. Right. So I think if you have that in your mind, that people did great things with less than you did. 
then mm-hmm. I think that changes your perspective on 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 software. Um, and then you you get a less than your beer in your bonnet, I think. Are you using paper still? Like you use a mix, right? Or are you strictly digital? Because I'm using ClickUp and Todoist, but then I will take the things that I want to focus on during the day and bring them into mm. this Midori Traveler's Notebook so nice, that I can nice. have really, I can concentrate yeah, on them, still. that highest level of attention. What about you? Yeah. I'm, I, I have a Remarkable that I use. Um, so I use that. I take that out. and do it. So it's I like close, close. <laughs> um, if, I, if I'm doing like a, um, we, we go away and do like a three-monthly sort of retreat type of thing, mm-hmm. I'll take paper mainly, A3, you know, yep. slam that all in there. Yeah, yep. it works beautifully. Francesco, this has been a great conversation, long overdue. Thanks so much for yeah, taking definitely. the time to be here with me on the live stream, as well as uh, recording this episode of A Productive Conversation. Where can people keep up with the work that you're doing, as well as, uh, you know, pretty much what you've got going on? I'd love for you to share. You've got a lot of irons in the fire, so go ahead. <laughs> Thank Well, thanks, Mike, for having us. Um, and I think in general, like, um, people can find me uh, mainly over on Toolfinder, um, it's basically the best place to find a productivity tool and we're sort of optimizing it even further. Um, and then on YouTube, um, if they type in keep productive, they can find me there too. So yeah, thank you for having me, Mike. Thanks so much for having a productive conversation as expected, a very productive conversation with me today. Here we go. Big thanks to Francesco for joining me on the live stream, which you can watch on YouTube. I've put a link in the show notes so you can check it out there. You can check out all the show notes, actually, and everything that we mentioned at productivityist.com slash podcast 511. And you can also subscribe to the podcast there as well. Yes, you can do that wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, even YouTube. Yes, on my YouTube channel, I now have the podcast as well. And By subscribing to the podcast, you'll be able to keep up with episodes that are coming, as well as easily search through the archives for any past episodes that might interest you. Francesco has not been on the show before, but I'm looking forward to having him on the show again, and I'm looking forward to presenting the next episode for you, which will be in a week from now. Well, depending on when you're listening to this, but I'll be back soon. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later. One second, just one second, everybody. I'm on a live stream right now, but I have to deal with something really quickly, Francesco. So, um, should I entertain? <laughs> yeah, please. Okay, right now, uh, the most promising app that you've seen in 2024 while I step away for a second. Okay, so the most promising okay, yeah. app that you've come across, and I'll be right back. Promising app for 2024. Um, I'm really interested in Superlist, which is a task management app that will have some note taking abilities. I think that's like, on my radar, I think there's a dramatic influx in Notion alternatives that are going to really dramatically move Notion out of the way in this year, especially for personal users. Apps like Affine Pro, just I think that will be really interesting. What did I None. miss? I'm going to have to listen back to this recording to see. What you I'm are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.